Nigel, please do come forward. Well, good morning, everyone. Before I bring you our reading from Ruth chapter 1, I thought I'd continue our Welsh theme. There's a village in Snowdonia, and the weather's very much like this in Snowdonia, called Beth Gellert. Has anybody been there? Why is that place so named? After the dog. dog. Yes. Gellert. The dog. The main attraction in Beth Gellert is the grave of a dog. In the 13th century, Llewellyn, who was the Prince of North Wales, went out hunting, but he didn't take his faithful hound, Gellert, with him. And when he came back, the dog greeted him, but the dog was covered in blood. Llewellyn was rather alarmed. So he went off searching to find out what the cause of this was, and he found his infant son's little cot empty and covered in blood. He took out his sword, and he killed his dog. As the dog's dying yelp, Llewellyn heard another sound. It was the sound of his baby crying. He went searching, and he found the baby was safe, And next to the baby was a large wolf that his faithful hound had killed. Faithful in different difficult circumstances. And that's what we're going to read about in Ruth. Somebody who is faithful in difficult circumstances. Let's read Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 to 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the name of their two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech's, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons, They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other named Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of the people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she'd been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. And they said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters, return home. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons that would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried till then? No, my daughters... It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. 
Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ruth is a story of humble faithfulness. A story of promises that are kept. Ruth and Naomi don't know it, but there is a bigger picture. They don't know it, but God is working out his great plan of salvation through their lives. They don't know it, but God is orchestrating events to achieve his purpose in their lives. God often works his purpose out in ways that are diametrically opposed to the ways that we would choose. Ever notice that? So it's an act of faith to trust God when our instincts say exactly the opposite. The story of Ruth is a story about remaining faithful, a story about keeping promises, a story about trusting God through tough times. A story of a small hotel in the middle of nowhere America, in the beginning of the 20th century. And it's a stormy night. And an elderly couple turn up at this hotel, and the receptionist says, I'm very sorry, we're full. And so is the other hotel in town. But then the receptionist looks at them and says, but I can't turn you back out into that storm. Would you like to sleep in my room? They hesitate, but he insists. Next morning, when the elderly man comes to pay the bill, he says to the receptionist, you're the kind of man who should be managing the best hotel in the United States, and someday I'll build it for you. The receptionist smiled politely. A few years later, the the receptionist received a letter from the elderly man recalling that stormy night and asking him to come to New York. He enclosed a round-trip ticket as well. So when he arrived in New York, the elderly man took him to the corner of 5th Avenue and 34th Street, and there stood a magnificent new building. That, explained the old man, is the hotel that I've built you to manage. The man, the elderly man, was William Waldorf Astor. And the hotel was the original Waldorf Astoria. The young receptionist was George Bolt, who became the first general manager of the finest hotel in New York. Humble faithfulness rewarded. Humble faithfulness rewarded. Faithfulness when it's not convenient. Faithfulness when there are better options to take. But faithfulness to do what you know is right. Ruth is given to us as an example of faithfulness being rewarded. So what's the story? 
Well, we've already just read the first part of it. A family from Bethlehem emigrate during a famine from Israel to Jordan, which is where Moab was. They settle, the boys marry, but the father and the two sons die, leaving Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. The famine in Israel passes, Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem, and she tries to dissuade her daughters-in-law from coming with her. Orpah obeys and goes back home, but Ruth insists on going back to Bethlehem. Back in Bethlehem, they're impoverished. There's no male breadwinner, and Ruth goes out into the fields to scavenge for grain, just as Bunny Wunny saw her. The field that she was gathering grain in belonged to Boaz, who, unbeknown to her, was a relative of her late father-in-law. And Boaz becomes her kinsman redeemer. You'll have to find all that out for yourself. But he's a family member responsible for righting the wrongs in the family, for buying back land that has been sold due to indebtedness, and for marrying widows. So he marries Ruth, and the family continues. But why is this particular story in the Bible, why is it significant? Because Ruth and Boaz have a son called Obed. Obed will be the grandfather of King David. Through Ruth and Naomi's faithfulness to God, they would be part of this great family that links Abraham to David and David to Jesus. Faithfulness yields a blessing. Some of it seen by them, some of it unseen. They wouldn't have known about David. Although Joe says Ruth might have known the psalm, I don't know if it had been written then. She wouldn't have known what was to come, but we know that. We know that by faith, she was blessed. But what's remarkable about this story is that God takes a foreigner, Ruth, to be the great-grandmother of David. God had chosen the insignificant and the outcast to bear his treasure. Doesn't it remind you of Mary, the mother of Jesus? Ruth could well have gone back to her own people because the Moabites would have been about as popular in Israel as the Palestinians are today. She would have been a foreigner in a foreign land. But she had made a commitment, a commitment through marriage to be part of Naomi's family and to be part of the family of Israel. No longer did she serve the gods of Moab, but she now served the living God. And nothing and no one was going to separate her from the lady who had introduced her to the living God or to that living God himself. No hardship, no bereavement, no family ties were going to tear her away from God, the God she loved and the God to whom she had made that promise. And Ruth would remain faithful to her promise. Where does faithfulness come from? Do you know the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and what comes next? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's a God-given gift. Faithfulness is a gift from God. It's a byproduct of a life filled with God's Spirit. We talk about fruit quite often here, and this is a fruit 
of the Spirit of God in someone's life, faithfulness. Faithfulness isn't a value that we talk about much these days. Our culture has moved away from faithfulness and moved on to self-fulfillment. Sadly, when the going gets tough, people now have a tendency to bail out. It's more common now, when faced with difficulties, for folk to give up on relationships, to give up on their family, to give up on their job, to give up on their church, even to give up on God. But not Ruth. Even Naomi encouraged Ruth to bail out. But her faithfulness was like a limpet. So what made this difference? We read that Naomi was understandably bitter at her monumental loss. But we don't read that Ruth made any complaint. It seems that she was content in God. It reminds me of what Paul says in Philippians 4. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I think Ruth could have written that. Content in God. And contentment from God only comes when we invest in our relationship with him. Faithfulness is about investing. Investing our time, our resources, our talents. Ruth gave herself completely to Naomi. She turned her back on her home country, her own family, her own people. She lived with Naomi And she lived for Naomi. She invested her whole self in that cause. Doesn't it remind you of Jesus? Who invested his whole self in our cause. He thought nothing of his own needs, but he gave everything he had in the service of the Father. He gave everything he had for you and me. Wasn't the ultimate demonstration of his faithfulness those words in Gethsemane? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. There is a reward for faithfulness. We are the reward for Jesus' faithfulness. And Ruth had her own reward. A loving husband and a bouncing son. And we read in chapter 4 that that son, Obed as a baby, sat on his grandmother Naomi's knee and brought her great joy. There was reward for faithfulness. But there is a greater story, a greater reward. Ruth is one of the few people who has a Bible book named after her, one of the few people who is not a prophet or an apostle. It's very rare. But more than that, she is the outsider who's chosen to be the link in this chain between Abraham and David and David and Jesus. How utterly inconceivable that someone from the sworn enemies of Israel should be grafted in to the family of Israel. That's God's great salvation plan. He chooses the outcast through faithfulness to be his standard bearer. So here is the challenge that Ruth poses for us. The challenge is this, are our circumstances driving us closer to God or driving us further from him? 
If things aren't going the way we hoped, do we trust him more or does that trust in him diminish? Do we trust in God or do we start looking for our own solutions? Do we take the attitude of, if God can't sort it out, then I'll sort it out myself? If we ignore God in our difficult circumstances, we're simply saying this, we're simply saying to him, I don't trust you. I don't trust that you're in control. I don't trust that you have the ability to lead me for the best. We're actually saying, I know better than you. And in the Old Testament, that's called idolatry. That's putting ourselves in the place of God. So is our response to life's problems bringing us closer to God or driving us further from him? There's an old hymn I love written by John Bode, and the first line is this, O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. I have promised, promised. Going home would have been the easy option for Ruth, family, comfort, food and shelter, but she had promised. She promised Naomi. She promised to be part of her family. She promised to be part of God's family. She promised to serve him and him alone. And just because tragedy intervenes, she's not going to go back on her promise. Ruth is often known as the virtuous woman. Virtuous because in Old Testament times, virtuous meant promise-keeping. She was a promise-keeper. And promise-keeping is the foundation of faithfulness. So Ruth asks us this question. Are you a promise-keeper? Are you a promise keeper in your relationship with God? Are you a promise keeper in your relationship with other people? A promise keeper is one who works at relationships. A promise keeper is one who will not let go in difficult times. Faithfulness comes from promise keeping. And God rewards faithfulness. And God rewards promise keepers. Ruth was faithful to her promise. And God blessed her in a way that she could have no idea about. Promises are easy to make, but they require faithfulness to fulfill them. Well, may God grant that we are faithful to him, faithful to the promises that we make, faithful in all we do, so that we will allow God to work out his promises in our lives in the way that he worked out his promise in Ruth's life. Let's pray together. Father God, we're amazed by the story of this wonderful woman, Ruth, and her faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that as part of the fruits of the Spirit, you give us that gift of faithfulness. Lord, we pray that in our lives, we will fan into flame that gift that we will be those who are known as promise keepers, that we will invest in relationships and invest in those things to which we have committed so that you can work out your purpose in our lives and that, like Ruth, we might be part of your big picture and your big story in a way that we can't even imagine at this point. Lord, give us the courage, give us the discipline and give us the love for you that will allow us to be faithful as Ruth was faithful. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.